0: Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hey, 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 party people. It's good to have you with me today. We are joined by Riz from Found Legal. Now, you're in for a treat today because she gives you so many practical tips. And when I first met Riz, I messaged her and I was, I messaged her on Instagram. We'd been kind of Instagram friends for a while. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone has copied my tagline for my business. So not my brand, not my not my business name, but my tagline what the heck am I supposed to do? And at that point I hadn't trademarked anything. I just knew that oh, I need to sort this out right now. So we, Riz really helped me. She messaged me and she, she talked me through actually how to do it. And so I set up the trademarks for all of our things. So my marketing playbook, my business playbook, Lala La Social Club, everything, you know, and now it's all legit, which is awesome. But I had this, there's nothing quite like it when you have that feeling, that sinking feeling in your stomach. It makes you feel sick when you realize, I haven't done my due diligence to look after my brand and to look after my business. So if that feels like you, if at the moment you're like, oh my gosh, I need to do it right now. Before you do that. You need to listen to this episode. You need to hear Riz's wisdom because she is so, so good at this and she actually gives you so many helpful tips and tricks in this episode. So to give you a bit of context about what Riz does at Found Legal, Found Legal provides legal services and templates for creatives and startups. Riz started Found as a way to make all of that boring, scary, overwhelming legal stuff both accessible and affordable to entrepreneurs, creatives, and designers so that they can have the best shot possible of creating a legal, lucrative, kick-ass brand and business that they can share with the world. And especially in the online space, we need to be so onto this stuff. So today... We talk about the importance of trademarking your business, what you should do first to get legally legit. And of course, as always, we pull back the curtain on Riz's startup journey. You're gonna love it. Let's dive straight in to my conversation with Riz from Found Legal. Thank you so much, Riz, for joining us today. It's so good to be chatting with you about all things Found Legal. Now to kick us off, can you tell us a bit about your business, what you do at Found Legal and and how you actually started your business?
1: Oh my, lots of good questions there. So um, <laughs> I I've been a lawyer for about 16 years. I think I've been an entrepreneur for a lot longer. I started Find, um, I officially opened the, you know, the the doors to the World Wide Web on the third of September twenty nineteen. And um, it's been a roller coaster, but in the best way kind of ride ever since. I've always loved helping people. I've always loved doing things a little bit differently and thinking outside the box on lots of different things. And I find that much as I love aspects of being a lawyer, working for others, uh, working in a law uh, in, My last job was an in-house role, was still quite restrictive in terms of how much I could help and how much and how I can help. And I also ran an e-commerce business on the side as well, as a side hustle when I had my daughter, she's now 10. And I absolutely loved the business element of it, that whole setting it up and figuring out how to work and look I'm not going to lie to you I made so many mistakes running that business (laughs) so many and those mistakes I look upon them now as lessons and I use those lessons for when I set up find and so I saw a gap in the market and I noticed that legal services weren't always necessarily affordable for everyone there wasn't this one level playing field and I wanted to introduce a level playing field and I also wanted to work with creators. Creatives in particular, because I just love how they think and work and all those things, and I, and I and I feel like they're my kind of people, if that makes sense. So I thought, well, what can I do? You know, and and I thought about what those services would look like to create a level playing field. And that involved, you know, templates, involved custom services on a fixed fee basis, um, involved courses as well. And that's what I did with Find. So I find this, um, you know, I put all these things together and I use my e-commerce business experience, my entrepreneurial spirit together, all of that combined to set up Find. And I run it, um, basically, I don't look upon it as a law firm. I run it as a business and an e-commerce business at that. I use Shopify, you know, I love Shopify. uh, And um, so I use Shopify to run it. I look, I'm constantly looking for efficiencies and I'm probably jumping ahead of the next questions you may (laughs) want to ask me. So basically at its core were two things. One was a selfish reason and one was a not so selfish reason. The selfish reason (laughs) was for me to have this freedom to make all these decisions, regardless of the consequences, even if they're good or bad, they'd be on me. But I was happy with that. I wanted that freedom and the freedom to, you know, spend time with my family. And that didn't have to be nine till two or or nine till five or whatever. It'd be whatever hours I set, if that makes sense. And that's the kind of the selfish reason, I guess, but the not so selfish was to provide a service that was affordable, that gave a level playing field. So people got the same type of legal services that I used to offer very high end uh, million dollar companies. So. Yeah, um, that's kind of how Fine came about. Uh, the entrepreneurial side started around about when I was about seven or eight, and I remember buying secondhand dolls and dressing them up, cleaning them up, because, um, <laughs> and then doubling the price and making a profit. And um, and I've always kind of thought that's like that's amazing. That. So um, <laughs> so so that's I won't tell you how long ago that was, um, but yes. So the transition was. I wouldn't say it was smooth because there was a lot of learnings involved certainly setting up a law firm there's there's lots of kind of regulation to deal with and I had no idea where to start how to start I had to do all the research myself and figure that out so that was kind of tricky but the actual setting up the website and doing all of that that was the best part the the piecing it all together that that was my favorite favorite part I have to say
0: and so you' you're super creative and I love this because I feel like there's this with you you're so creative and it's it's like when I look at your brand, when I anytime I see your posts on Instagram, whenever I'm looking at your website, it feels like this lifestyle brand like it does not feel like you're offering legal services or legal templates. So you've done this really amazing job of kind of bridging the gap and I think it really works for your target market as well. But for you, how did you, you – you talked a little bit about your transition from, you know, being a, a lawyer, like full-time lawyer to online business owner. But talk to us about that process. How did you actually manage that transition in, in when you were building Found Legal?
1: That was very hard. Lots of hours, <laughs> Lots of yeah. hours went into it as well. But I guess the transition was more around – oh my goodness, I'm now responsible for all these decisions and and making these choices. And what if I get this wrong? What if I do that? And I I was like, Riz, stop it. You know, (laughs) stop right there. It can you know, so what if a mistake happens, as long as it's not on the legal advice side? So what if, you know, something and do you know what, my launch was supposed to be on the 2nd of September, and it got delayed because of technical issues. And um, <laughs> because the links to the templates weren't working properly. And and what a stressful 24 hours that was. So the transition, in some respects, was kind of easy, in terms of my pre existing e commerce experience and running uh, on a sh- Platform Like Shopify, that parts, those parts were easy. The thinking outside of the box, flying by the seat of my pants kind of personality that I am. All of that was easy in some respects. Um, in other respects, it was hard work juggling the setting up of this new business, the doing all the necessaries to um, make it happen. It was a time thing as much as anything else as well, making that time, doing that day job and juggling and trying to do all of that and having a family as well and the family commitment. So it was bloody hard, I won't lie, um, <laughs> but I, di- I, I did it somehow. I lo- I managed, basically it was managing my time efficiently, making sure I had a good understanding of what needed to happen in that business and what I envisaged it to be um and transitioning to that was tricky and um and a lot of work but it was worth the effort I think yeah um I had to juggle a lot of calendars put it that way um as well um (laughs) so it was a time thing as much as anything else
0: yeah totally in
1: your journey then so how long have you been running found for now um twenty September twenty nineteen, so just over a year and a half of yeah, that database. Right.
0: Yeah. And what you've done is so amazing. So I feel like you're a bit a bit of a trailblazer because you've built something that doesn't to me anyway, it didn't really exist before. So how how do you do how did you do that when there was no rule book, there was no one that you could kind of look to to kind of go, oh that's how they did it, I'm gonna do it the same. How did you do that, and and what were some of the missteps you made along the way? What are some of the mistakes that you made along the way?
1: So, I basically I looked at the law firms that were around and their websites, and I thought I need to do the opposite of that. And um, I looked at people in the creative industry. I looked at social media marketers, I looked at graphic designers, I looked at web designers, I looked at businesses like um, Zero and, and Zapier and all the different subscription model businesses that are out there. And I looked at all of those, rather than looked at legal businesses for the inspiration for the, you know, and also my own gut feel on things and how I wanted that to be I wanted my brand to be infused with my personality and my excitement for life and things as well and um, so I definitely looked outside of that and in terms of some of the missteps one of them was definitely not um, uploading a, a calendar for bookings straight away I thought I'd save some money and there was, there used to be lots of back and forths between clients to organise a meeting. What that that was not a good idea, especially when I was time poor. Anyway, uh, so. I made Calendly. a boo boo there. Yes, oh, yeah. I, I use Calendly
0: is amazing.
1: <laughs> I I use Acuity actually, and I, I've heard good things about Calendly as well. But they basically oh, so Acuity good. saved my bacon in terms of that back and forth with clients. And not only that, but it lent me a bit more legitimacy in terms of professionalism. You know, there's this mm-hmm. professional process involved in booking time with me rather than my mobile number. So that was really good. And and the other thing I did was maybe initially overcomplicate things a little with the different, you know, the shiny new objects that you see, oh, I need this app and I need that app and, and trying to, and probably why we had technical issues before launch was having too much going on and keep, keep it simple, stupid, basically. I should have listened to the (laughs) KISS methodology. And I guess, you know, the other thing I did was not hiring soon enough. I waited until I was busy to hire. And that was a bit of a boo-boo because it meant that I didn't have as much time to train that person up when I was, Mm. I thought I was ready to hire. And that was unfair on them as well, uh, because then, you know, we're flying by the seat of pants, trying to get client work done, trying to deal with growing things in the business and on the business, working on the business and trying to train somebody else up was not good decision. And so I learned from that. So now I have been, when I'm hiring, I look at a number of different things. I pay a lot more attention to my finances as well. Um, So I can then make informed decisions around when can I hire rather than waiting until I'm too busy to hire. So that was another lesson I learned. And I would highly recommend anyone who wants to grow and scale their business. On the one hand, systems and processes are amazing and they are very, very important, but they're as only as good as the input that you put into them, the work and effort you put into them to make them work correctly. Um, and the other is to go and hire somebody to help you, even if it's a contractor or a VA for five hours a week, do that because you when you're too busy you're not you're going to struggle to train them and you won't be happy with the with the work and it won't be their fault it'll be your fault.
0: Oh, that's such a good. I'm so glad you brought that up because f- finding the right time to hire and I feel the same. I I often have done that where I've gone, "Oh my gosh, we're so busy now I need to hire" and then realizing actually no I should have done this 3 months ago. Absolutely. But it's this it's such a juggle, isn't it, when you when you're starting out and when you're scaling and growing quickly. I think there's this thing in us as business owners that there's this fear that, oh gosh, like if I hire someone, then like what happens if the work dries up or what happens if there's not enough, especially in the online space, what happens if Facebook changed their ad algorithm and all of a sudden my sales aren't the same anymore? So I I totally get that thing of hiring too late. So do you have any tips for someone to know, when their workload is getting to the point where they should be thinking about hiring?
1: Absolutely. Um, well, I don't know how good these tips are, but I'll I'll, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. So, you know, what I did was I looked at what I what my zone of genius is, so to speak, and what is bringing in the income, so to speak, as well into the business. I looked at those things as well as how much would it cost to hire a VA, I made a list of all the jobs I was doing as well. So it's important to make a list of all the jobs you're doing, and then allocate the ones you really don't like and that you're not particularly good at, and they're not driving any particular. Say they're not, they're not uh, something that will grow the business as such, but maybe yeah. good for efficiencies, etc. So, for example, bookkeeping not my zone of genius, not something I'm good at. I'm terrible. And so I hired somebody uh, just a couple hours a week uh, to do that. And oh my goodness, it freed up so much time to go and bring in more clients as an example. Um, So I would say, make a list of everything that you do in your business. And as a solopreneur, I'm pretty sure you're doing about 99% of everything. And then (laughs) list out your hourly rate that you would normally charge if you were to charge on an hourly basis how much is your time worth as well and compare that to how much it would cost to hire a VA yeah and um and that will be part of the decision making the other thing i think is important and i want to point this out actually is you need to be checking in on your finances on a weekly basis and if you do that and if you've done the strategy and you've done your goal planning or goal setting and whatever that may look like, and look, they don't have to be rigid, by the way, then you've got a potentially rough idea of your average income for a certain period of time. And that should also assist you in then making a decision as to whether to hire somebody full-time, part-time, or just a few hours a week. So you don't necessarily, if you're a bit nervous about hiring, you don't necessarily have to go out there and find yourself a full-time employee or a part-time. You can hire somebody for a couple of hours a week and say, hey, you know, let's see how we go. If work increases, I'll increase your hours. And so you can play it that way as well.
0: So, so good. Ah, you're full of wisdom. I'm so excited to get to the actual practical legal advice, not legal (laughs) advice. You're giving me legal advice today. (laughs) (laughs) But one more question before we get into some practical tips for all our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and all the people listening. What has been the most valuable investment you've made in your business?
1: People and
0: systems so good definitely yeah
1: definitely if you don't have the right systems in place and you're doing everything manually when they you could have some, like just as an example whether it's my business or your business or somebody else's if you have a business where you provide services and you're going to onboard that client the same way every time no matter who the client is your onboarding journey will be the same why is that not automated like the acuity calendar example, you know, automation saved me. I'd say acuity saved me back at the beginning two hours. I can't imagine how many hours it's saving me now. Okay. Yeah. As an example, systems can help if you have the right systems in place. The other thing is, you know, when you have the right systems in place and um, it's. It, it means that you, your client potentially has a better customer journey with you as well. You have this constant communication uh, with them. And then investing in people, investing in them at the right time. If, if you hire the right people, whether they're contractors or employees, You know, and you've got the right systems and processes in place that still need to be fine tuned as you onboard them. You'll, nothing stands still, you know, things can always be improved. And they're as passionate as you about your business and they love what you do and they love coming to do what they have to do in your business, it really makes a big difference. It also frees you up to grow your business. And so investing in people and investing in the right systems and processes um, is the most valuable investment I've made.
0: Ah, oh, that's amazing. So, so wise. I love it. I love the idea of the people side and, and building that team. It's so important, isn't it? Because when you're a solopreneur and, and like, I've done that journey as well, where it's just been for most of my business journey, it's just been myself. I think a lot of the time we think no one else could do what I'm doing currently. And then like, like you said, taking a bit of an audit of what you actually are doing. It's like this, anyone could kind of do what I'm doing right now. I'm doing random bookkeeping jobs or responding to emails and things like that. So it's, it's really, I think for anyone who wants to grow, learning to invest into people is, is actually the key to it because we you know no man is an island and we actually need to build our businesses and if you want to scale that's going to involve people It's going absolutely.
1: to involve absolutely
0: hiring people so
1: and I actually I, I do want to add one other thing actually there was three things and that is investing in myself like mentors coaches etc investing in my knowledge and learning as well. That's been important as well, I think. Um, Surrounding yourself with the right kind of people and community is super important as well. Surrounding myself with other business owners who are at a similar level or ahead of me even is more important so I can learn from them. You know, um, that's also been an important investment in my business, I have to say.
0: Yeah. So, so good. All right. So, let's get into some practical legal tips so you have, like, just to give everyone a little more context, Found Legal have templates for pretty much anything legal related, right? It's it's kind of the mecca of all legal templates. You'll love it. So we'll put the link in our show notes for all of the templates. But I wanted to start with what are the most common mistakes that people make when it comes to the legal side of their business?
1: Let's be honest. Legal's boring, you know, last thing on the list, last thing on the list. So much more exciting to, you know, get that color on the logo just right and the website looking just this particular shade of, you know, millennial pink or something. You know, why bother with the legals? We can take, I can copy and paste off somebody somewhere at some point. So people tend to look at the legals as something that they need to worry about later down the track when they have more money because they think it's going to either be too expensive, too complicated. And, um, and, and that's why they avoid it as well. It's not sexy, it's not interesting, it's not fun. So, you know, let's put that on the bottom of the list next to the accountant, you know, and the bookkeeping stuff. Um, so I think as a consequence, you know, rather than being proactive, which is what I'm an, a big advocate of being proactive, they become reactive. And so they end up in a lot of trouble later down the track when it's kind of too late. And I'll give you an example of that is... Um, for example, you know, if you have a beautiful business name and brand, and you want to, you've got this amazing strategy for your business and brand, and you um, set everything up, but you forget to trademark your brand name, um, and discover just as you're about to launch, somebody else has the same similar name in the similar industry to you. You're going to have to go back to the drawing board, and. Do everything again with you and get a new logo, funnily enough, and uh, change your name, potentially change your domain, etc. So it's not doing their due diligence before they go out into the big bad world or even to secure the right domain name sometimes. But businesses um, think that if they wait until they've got the money, then they'll be okay. And until then, they'll wing it. And so they fail to have, for example, website terms and conditions or a privacy policy on their website and so, you know, when COVID happened, there was no clear cancellation policies, for example, no clear terms around well, what happens because of COVID and how do I deal with that? So those are the kind of things that then become reactive and can I keep the deposit or not, you know, because they don't have the right terms in place. And with that first example I gave you about the branding and the name, well, registering your business name, securing the domain name does not give you exclusive rights to that name. Somebody else can. go and register the trademark which does give you exclusive rights to your business name and so there's little things like that little nuances I'm trying to educate people through my podcast and through my blog as well as you know offer the services that I do and another thing that businesses tend to do is not have the right contracts in place when they they're so keen to sign up that client that first client I know is exciting because I felt exactly the same way when I signed up my first client. And I can appreciate, you know, as a lawyer, I can look after myself, but um, other businesses have been stung by scope, things like scope creep, uh, stung by not being paid because they failed to take a booking fee, you know, and made it clear what their payment terms are. So they've been stung in many different ways by not having the right contracts in place because a handshake will do for now.
0: Oh, gosh, there's so many things that I I know that me personally, I've done. And I remember actually I messaged you. This would have been like, I must've been last year sometime. I hadn't, I hadn't trademarked anything. And I had an instance where someone had totally copied our tagline of our business. So it wasn't La La Social Club. It was our tagline, which was, we help, um, we help people look good on the internet. And I remember being like, "Oh my gosh, this person has taken this thing. What am I going to do? Because I don't like. Can you even trademark that? What the heck?" And I messaged you, and you were so helpful, and and now everything's trademarked, which is great. But what's the what's the difference between? This might be a really silly question, Riz. What's the difference between copyright and trademark?
1: Okay, definitely not a silly question. I don't believe that there is such a thing as silly questions, but um. And it is a great question, by the way. So trademarks and copyright fall under the umbrella of intellectual property. um, And that's a catch-all for all types of different types of intellectual property and trademarks and copyright come within that frame. So copyright is something um, just at a high level without, you know, boring everyone to death. But essentially, if you were to write, if you had an idea and then you express that idea, into, say, a story, a book, uh, a poem, then that expression is copyrighted the moment you've created it. So the moment you click that camera button and the picture, you know, is created. That creation, you have copyright in that creation. And in Australia, you don't have to register or do anything uh, You know, to indicate that that's your original work, but there are some practical things you can do about that uh, to protect yourself as much as possible. And I'll talk to that as well. Um, Whereas with trademarks, it's more around it is a registration process. So, for example, your business name. Uh, it's not something that's copyright, but you can protect it by registering it as a trademark so nobody else can use it. Look at Coca-Cola, look at Pepsi, look at, um, you know, homegrown talents um, uh, like Jim's Mowing, etc. Um, they have registered their trademarks. You can also trademark a smell or a color. A uh, smell, uh, Chanel comes to mind. Um, color, Tiffany comes to mind. Cadbury's, you know, the silk particular shade of purple that's trademarked so you can trademark smells and uh and you know and 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 names and and other wonderful things as well um but In order to receive that protection you do have to go through a process you do have to pay some fees to the government you can potentially do it yourself or you can um, hire a lawyer to do it for you it can be complicated you need to do the right due diligence to make sure uh, that you've done it correctly because there's lots of moving parts to registering a trademark but with copyright you know there's a couple of different ways you can protect and I know that wasn't part of your question but um, I just wanted to flag it for everyone And that is your website terms and conditions. If somebody comes to your website and you have this amazing content on there, that's all your work, you have uh, blog articles on there, that's all your work, or you've paid for it and you own it, um, then your website terms and conditions will indicate to the visitor to your website that this is your copyright and this is all they can do with it, i.e. read it for their own benefit, but not to copy and paste it and use it uh, and for commercial purposes basically so your website terms and conditions will protect the content for example on your website by giving that warning so to speak there's also your contractual terms if you have a contract a services agreement then in there you're gonna have language in there and clauses in there that say hey these things that I create I own it you basically set out what you own what you're gonna transfer ownership of to somebody and um, and what kind of license you might give them under that agreement as well if you want them to use it but not own it um, so you can protect your copyright with the correct website terms and conditions if it's your website uh, the right language in your contract for example and always keep you know your original version somewhere stored so you can you know if ever there was an infringement, you could say, look, I created this back in 2017 and here's the proof kind of thing. So, uh, and having, you know, it's not a legal requirement, but that little C in a circle in the footer of all your PDFs and other documents, etc., your videos, you know, having that there with your company or business name and the year is um, not not like I said not a legal requirement but it does put people on notice that it's somebody's copyright so there's little practical things you can do and uh, also contractually that you can do as well to protect copyright with trademarks like I said the best way to do that is to actually register your brand name business name and the thing is one thing people don't realize and look Why should you? You know, you don't know what you don't know. But when you start out, you don't think of yourself as a big business. You think of yourself as a small business. And I think that's kind of fatal. If you think about it, all those big businesses started small, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so you need to think about, well, what does your business, part of your business plan should be about looking at your intellectual property and what does that actually mean? Well, Jim's mowing probably started with one person, with one mower, and then he grew that business and registered that trademark. So now he he or they are able to license that name to their franchisees to use as franchisees of his business or their business, you know, so it's an asset. Yeah. And one day, if you want to sell your business, then the person buying it, knowing that you have a trademark for the name, the brand, and knowing that you, you know, you have all these processes in place that protects your intellectual property, it's a valuable asset having those things and having them documented correctly and protected. Uh, should you ever wish to either sell your business or whether you one day want to be, you know, the next uh, Subway or Sephora or, you know, Mecca Cosmetic or whatever it might be, that that you're uh, adequately protected.
0: Oh, it's so good. And one more quick question on trademarks. Can you trademark a phrase? Yes. So if you had like a tagline or one-liner, you can trademark that? Yes,
1: you can. You
0: can. All right. So cool. Okay. That's really great. Now. Okay. Someone's starting a business. They're launching their website. They're starting to get clients. They're doing their branding, all of that, all of that stuff. What is the very first thing that you encourage people to do to get legally legit?
1: Um, there's a couple of things they should be thinking about. So if they're going to have an online presence as well, uh, uh, and they're going to be collecting emails, for example, then a privacy policy is pretty good to have and important to have. Website terms and conditions to protect them and, you know, let the client, the customer, know who they're dealing with. And also, I think, if you think about it, it kind of lends legitimacy to the website as well, having those things. And my understanding also is that Google likes to see you know, privacy policies on people's websites. And I think Facebook insists on it as well if you want to set up Facebook man- uh, uh, manager, etc., So those are the two things. But also, you know, um, depending on the nature of your business, make sure you have the right insurance in place as well to protect you and, and uh, minimize any risks to you, uh, especially as most people tend to set up as sole traders. And so they don't have a company structure, they're um, an individual sole trader structure. So it's really important. um, Well, to be honest, even if you're a company structure, you should have the right insurance in place, but it's important to make sure. So those are the things that top of mind and protecting your intellectual property as much as you can uh, are some of the first things you should be thinking about, definitely.
0: Yeah, so good. And then when when it comes time to employment contracts and service agreements, then that's also the next thing you'd recommend doing.
1: Absolutely. So if when you're ready to hire a contractor, um, it's really important that you do have a contract in place with them because, and this is going back to copyright, typically the person who creates the content is the owner of the copyright in that content. And there are certain exceptions to that. So if you're an employee, then your boss will own the content unless your contract says otherwise. But a contractor, unless their contract says otherwise, they will own what they create. So it's important that if you're hiring a contractor and you want them to create content as part of your business under your brand and you still want to retain ownership of it, then your contract with that contractor needs to say so. So that's wow. pretty important.
0: So even photographers, so if, if you're, if you're getting a photographer in to shoot a bunch of content, in theory, they own the photographs, right? So
1: Correct. And they will give you a license typically to use those images in your business for your commercial use, not to on-sell it to anyone else or monetize it in any way. So they yeah. will give you a license to use it. Um, and typically, most photographers will only do that. There's only limited circumstances in which um, they won't own the copyright.
0: Yeah, great. Oh, so helpful. And I I love, Riz, that you call yourself an e-commerce business. I feel like it is and it's really clear the user experience is really like it feels like you're on a shop front when you go to your website. And it's it's really easy to navigate and I love that you've built your brand like that. But what is I'm I'm curious with this shift from and, and we probably touched on it a little bit earlier, but this shift from being in this professional service to actually being an e-commerce business. So what piece of advice would you give someone who wants to turn their professional service into digital products and courses? Because I know you've got heaps of courses as well.
1: Well, don't wait for everything to be perfect for a start. You know, it's you will surprise yourself, to, and this is to the listeners out there, you will be surprised at how much knowledge and experience is living inside your head And, um, you know, and there's only so many hours in the day that you can work. Um, So if you can, you should definitely think about creating digital products of your services if you can. And the advice I would give is to make sure that you have the right systems and processes in place to manage that so that you can efficiently set it all up. And then um, distribute it as well in an efficient manner. So having the right email providers, the right platform to use all of that makes a big difference. And look, even though it's a digital product, you should still make sure your customer, your client who purchases that digital product gets the same kind of almost wonderful unboxing experience that receiving a physical product so think about your customer journey with you when they buy that digital product what does that look like Um, it shouldn't just be you know they get the download email and that's the end of it and you know the hardest part of digitizing your services is just sitting down and putting that content together that's the hardest part but it's it's such a wonderful feeling when you hear that first ping from Shopify telling you you've made a sale (laughs) I promise you it'll be worth all the work and the effort that's involved in um, creating and look nothing is going to happen easily or overnight it does involve work it does involve effort but it doesn't mean you don't have to do it in a smart way
0: absolutely and I think the, I was chatting with a business coach about this recently about how the very things that will help us to scale our businesses often require us to sacrifice something in order to do that. And I think when it comes to digital products, when it comes to courses, even when it comes to like investing in employees and your people, it means that you have to give up something that you are currently doing, right? Because I think that people think there's this silver bullet in online, in online business where it's like, oh, you just do this one course one time and like everything's perfect and you know, you'll make money while you sleep and it's going to be really easy. But actually the time it takes to build those things, that's where the sacrifice is. And then, you know, then you can actually reap the rewards of that. But I think it's a bit of a fallacy to think, oh gosh, you can do that overnight. It's going to be really easy because it- It takes time,
1: doesn't it? Ah, 100%. Look, so from a kind of practical business perspective, setting up and creating digital products, no matter what your industry, it's hard work, okay? Putting it all together, the moving parts, well, how are they going to receive it? What kind of emails... What do the emails look like? What do I need to say to them? How do I price it? All those things. And then there's the courses is even more complicated in the sense of you having those launches and the effort involved in doing all of that and the creating all the content to post to your socials and, you know, and, uh, and, and potentially collaborate with affiliates, you know, to get your brand and that particular course out there it's there's a lot of moving parts and effort required and then putting my legal hat on you know I would be saying to you make sure you put the copyright in make sure you have the right terms and conditions for your course make sure if you're going to offer them subscription and payment plans make sure you got the right language in your terms and conditions to protect you from that what is your return policy? Do you want a, re, a rather refund policy? You know, th- what does that look like? Do you, would, would you want to offer it? Do you want to offer a money back guarantee? There's so many different things from a legal perspective, you know, you need to be mindful of. You don't want them sharing their access to the course to somebody else or um, you, you don't want them to be, um, you know, copying your content and creating their own course using your content. You know, so make sure you have the right terms and conditions in place, whether that's digital products or or courses, or both, but from a practical perspective, you know, it's very rewarding once it's all achieved, but to get there, it's hard work, and it's, but it's worth it, in my opinion, yes, um, but absolutely. there are a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, get so putting that pen to paper first, and coming up with a plan.
0: Absolutely. Um, And a deadline is great, hey? Like having a, it's nothing quite like going, right, this is my launch date.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And I'm I'm telling people that this is when I'm going live and I've got to work backwards from there. So,
1: well, I, when I launched my uh, Build Your Empire course, and um, I didn't actually have all the content ready. I validated it before I did all of that. So I had people buy in the course before the course was finished so don't wait necessarily people I'm not saying it's not stressful but um you know validate your I also um the other thing I did was I did some polls on Instagram because that's where most of my kind of clients live and so I did some polls in the run-up to you know fine-tuning what I was thinking in my head as to what it would look like and ask questions and those doing those kind of things was actually super helpful in validating whether what I was about to do was worth doing or not as well so don't go creating a course spending all those hours because I know it is a lot of hours creating a course and then discovering nobody's interested because you didn't validate it. So I would caution people and say, look, if you can highly recommend validating the idea first through polls on wherever your clients live, if it's Insta, you know, do that. I would even ring up some of your customers, your ideal clients, and, you know, offer them something in return for a bit of their time just to sort of see if you can, you know, get enough numbers to validate whether what you're doing is 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 going to work, it's going to be successful, uh, and is needed or wanted. Um, and offer some beta testers, uh, you know, free access to your course, maybe to see uh, whether there's any things that need to be ironed out as well. So, that's a uh, non-legal, but a, a practical thing, oh, I, love that it. I think is worth checking into.
0: Absolutely. Oh, Rizzi, you're so You're so good. And I think I know that our community here will be loving what you're sharing right now. Final couple of questions. Now, a lot of our community, as you know, are small business owners, solopreneurs, juggling all the things. What is your biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started Found Legal?
1: Believe, believe in yourself that you're capable of it and don't let fear stop you. Just go for it. I was convincing myself, I had a bit of imposter syndrome, you know, and, um, and I, and I didn't, and I kind of procrastinated. I had children as well and responsibilities. And so it's a scary, that first step is the hardest step to take. But if you've done the, the, you know, the strategy, the thinking behind it all, don't wait for it to be perfect, just do it. Um, and yeah. you'll, you will not regret it.
0: Ah, so good. So good. So what is next for you and found legal and where can people find you?
1: what's next Um, I'm going to be expanding my templates as well for to make sure I protect all creatives and I'm always open to suggestions and ideas so anyone listening if you think I don't have something just let me know I will also be uh, launching build your empire course again in a few months so I'm working on the launch plan for that as we speak and what improvements I can make to that because nothing's ever finished right Um, (laughs) and um, Um, And just, you know, the opportunity to work with amazing people. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, People can find me on Insta at findlegal with two Ds. Uh, My website is findlegal.com. Uh, again with two d's and um, one tip actually before i leave you i also secured find legal with one d on instagram in case somebody naughty decided they would want they would want that and take that so and now i have breadcrumbs in there sort of linking back to my official insta account so if you have a unique name or if you have a name that somebody can add the word the to in front of it or add an extra letter to it, you might think about that and um, secure your social handles or a domain name to prevent that from happening. I love that. That
0: is so, so good. And one more thing you have a course called Tricks of the Trademark. So, everything we were speaking about, about trademarking.
1: Oh, yes. Is, yes. Is that it, in this course? So, Tricks of the Trademark is, so in Build Your Empire, it's only a small part of it. Tricks of the Trademark is a deep dive into trademarks. So, if you want to, uh, if you're on a tight budget and you uh, are not in a position to pay legal fees uh, and hire a lawyer, then Tricks of the Trademark uh, is the the course for registering your trademark it takes you step by step through the registration process and how to do all of that and it's evergreen it's available permanently Uh, you can find it via the social handles uh, on instagram in my link in my bio Um, and look if you still have any questions just reach out i'm happy to um, assist
0: Great. And we'll put um, a link for Tricks of the Trademark in the show notes because I know plenty of people will be interested in that. And as like someone who did the trademarking process myself, I was so nervous that I was doing it all wrong. And, And you gave me heaps of advice. And I also got one of your trademark documents that talk you through it as well. So that was so helpful. So I know that course will be so helpful if you're wanting to trademark your brand. Plus if you haven't done it do it. It's really important because you don't want to get stuck and have a freak out like I did. So (laughs) it's good to have all your ducks in a row. Definitely. Oh, Riz, you are amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining me today and for joining us. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and I'm so excited to see all that you do next in Found Legal. It's amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed myself. So thank you very much.
0: So there you have it. That is the play by play for this week. Wow. There are so many things for us to implement. And I know if you're anything like me, you've been scribbling notes of what you need to do to secure your business legally. Now, if you're looking for any of the links we mentioned today, if you're looking for Riza's course, if you're looking for any of her templates, then head on over to our show notes. We've got everything you need right there. And if you want to continue the conversation, then head on over to our Facebook group. All you need to do is search My Business Playbook. It's kind of like the after party of the podcast. So if you're a party person, then that's where you want to be. Before we go, I just want to let you know that music from this episode is by Jake Scott and you can listen to him on Spotify and Apple Music. And one more thing. If you love the episode, if you love what we're doing at My Business Playbook, if you think it doesn't totally suck, then please leave us a review, subscribe, share it online, any of those things we actually love so much and I read every single review. So I appreciate it. Thank you a lot for everyone who has already left reviews. My heart is happy. Now, as always, thank you for listening to my business playbook. I will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Go get them.